Jewish Money Matters episode 257, Ask Yael. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. Friday, June 17, 2022, the 18th day of the month of Sivan. I hope I got that right, and I'm back with another Ask Yael. I'm actually out of town, but you probably know that I don't record this on Fridays, but I did say on Monday that I was going to try to come here and tackle as many questions as I could. So here we are. There are a lot in the mailbag and they're awesome. They're really awesome. By the way, I'm Yael Trush, your host. You know that. I apologize for the delay in answering. So let's tackle it. Let's do, let's tackle, let's do it. Let's tackle those questions. I did mention, I think that I'm in the middle of uh, mold remediation around here. So it's very noisy in my house. Hopefully we can still do this. Let's do it. Our first question comes from Jacqueline. She asks, I listened to your latest Ask Yael episode and I loved your advice on tangible steps and how to start saving, paying off debt, giving, giving miser. But what do I do if my job doesn't offer a 401k? How can I jumpstart some savings if I still have some debt slash loans? All right. First of all, I think you're referring a little bit more to investing because um, that's kind of that was your first question. What do I do if my job doesn't offer a 401k? But then you said, how do I jumpstart some savings? They're often used interchangeably, but just to clarify, they're really not the same thing. They do, however, kind of utilize one same muscle, and that's the muscle of delaying immediate gratification, right? But um, just to clarify that, but let's talk about the investing piece. Yes, you can have other investment accounts, even if you don't have a 401k through work, you can open a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA. If you're self-employed, you can open a SEP IRA or a solo 401k. These are all options. You can go to a site like Investopedia to get the basics on what each of these um, types of accounts are and the income limits and the contribution limits that they each have so that you get a better sense of which one would apply to your particular situation. Additionally, you can consult with a tax expert or even your accountant or whoever helps you with your taxes. And now if you find that neither, like none of these are right for you at the moment for whatever reason, or perhaps you don't care about the tax benefit that these types of accounts might provide at the moment, then you can always go with a standard brokerage account. And the same place that you can open these accounts, you can open that. And that would be at an online broker or robot advisor, sites like Schwab, like Charles Schwab Online, Vanguard, Fidelity, Betterment, same sites that I've been mentioning over time and time again on the po- podcast. Those would be great, good places to do that. And in terms of what to invest on once you have the account, whichever account it is, right? Um, You've probably heard me say this, but you probably, um, you probably, unless you're very much into stock picking and you very much into spending time evaluating companies and have also not just the extra time, but the extra dollars that you don't mind risking on a handful of stocks, 
I suggest you look into investing into exchange-traded funds that track an index. They're often referred to as index funds, although mutual funds can also track an index. You can really just you really just want to track an index or various various indexes that give you a hand in the entire stock market. That's what you're going for, I think. Unless again, you want to be a a, 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 you want to pick individual stocks and really get to the nitty gritty. That's also a strategy, but I don't know that that necessarily is the path that you want to take. Um, and it's, it's, it's for some people and people do very well with it, but again, you have to have the, you have to be, have the cash to risk and you have to have the time also to invest. So in any of these platforms, you'll find e exchange traded funds, ETFs or index funds that track the S&P 500 or any other big pool of companies with both domestic and international. So you can start there. Now you did say that you have some debts slash loans. I suspect that you might be speaking about student loans. Um, you didn't clarify, but let's just say that that's what we're referring to. If you're still paying student loans, I wouldn't worry about paying that off before you start to invest. You really want to start investing as soon as possible. Remember that time is really the biggest factor when it comes to compounding. And the reason is that usually the amount on those loans is pretty large and it'll take a long time to pay that debt. And more importantly, perhaps the interest tends to be pretty low. So what I would suggest is keep paying those loans, but don't stress yourself out about having to pay them off before you start investing. Now, if on the other hand, we're talking about credit card debt, here the approach is slightly different and it really depends on your personality. But let's just, let's just say it like this. It's, credit card debt tends to carry a pretty steep interest rate, much higher than what you're going to be making in the stock market on average. So I'd really focus on getting that out of the way as soon and as aggressively as I could so that then I can really take advantage of investing. Now, having said that, you could potentially take a hybrid approach. I don't want to discount the hybrid approach um, and say, well, until you, you know, make a blanket statement, like until everybody pays up their entire credit card that they shouldn't be investing. That's not necessarily the case because again, there's a lot of time that might be wasted during that process. So you really kind of have to know yourself. If you can take a hybrid approach and you can manage investing plus paying down debt, I would definitely take that approach. I mean, but again, I don't know how much you're making. I don't know what your expenses are. I don't know the debt level. But, you know, that is often the case. That is often what we do when we have a 401k or another built-in investment, you know, built-in incentive into our in in investments. Like, meaning like, we don't really ever see that money. We don't count on that money because it never touches our checking account. So that's like, it's like, a, it's already that, it's it incentivizes us to be investing without even realizing that we're doing that, right? Um, and with what what's left, we pay off the debt and everything else. So the 401k, you know, it takes the 401k takes the need for discipline and willpower out of the equation, right? But if you can set yourself up to do both to invest and to pay off the debt, you can mimic that discipline of paying yourself first, sort of speak. Again, 
in this show, we always talk about paying yourself second, right? Where you can put those dollars aside and investment and then invest them before you do anything else and then tackle the debt and tackle all the other things. If you can do that, then of course, by all means do that. But this is going to require probably automation and probably getting super clear on your budget, making a plan, making sure you understand your numbers, you have that you understand how much you're bringing in every month and that you have enough to throw some money at both the investment account and at the debt enough to make a dent on it, right? And obviously towards everything else. All right, so I hope that helps. Let me know if you have follow-up questions on this. Now, I know Jacqueline has a second question, totally unrelated. Let's tackle that. Not, not related to investing or saving in the classic sense, but rather on Jewish education. Love the question. She asks the following. She says, I hear a lot of people debating a lot about whether one should pay for Jewish slash yeshiva day school, even if one really shouldn't. Meaning like you have the cash, but then have no savings or slash maybe go into some debt, etc. But at the same time, Jewish education is of the utmost value to you. Make sense? Yes, Jacqueline, makes a lot of sense. I think what you're asking is, what does one do when one values Jewish education tremendously and yet financially, like uh, in, in the classic sense, it makes a zero sense, right? Because it might mean um, sacrificing perhaps one's retirement or other financial goals or even getting in debt, right? So it's a great question. And I do hear it a lot as well. So you're not alone on that one. I've, I've we, this, this conversation has happened in my world before, believe me, I'm with my students. So when we analyze this with my students, I always recommend that we look at a few things. So it's like, a there's a, there's a number of layers here. Okay. Number one, understand our numbers. That's first and foremost. How much do we bring in every month? Is the income variable, perhaps? How much savings do we currently have? How much do we save currently? What's our savings rate? Same thing with investing, right? How much debt do we have, et cetera, et cetera. So getting a really clear sense of my overall financial picture. That's what I like to call in my process of teaching the investigator stage, right? Um, that's when I... Um, I investigate all my numbers and I know where I'm holding. But that that's not enough because then what I want to do in this situation that you're asking me, and I want to do this even before I look at the cost of what I think is the institution I'd want or I'd like to send my children to, even before I look at that number, right? First I said, let's look at the, our current numbers, our financial picture, then before we even look at the number, the price tag of what we think we want, what I would like all of us to do is to be very clear on our values, get really clear on what we value as an individual and or as a family and what kind of institution represents those values. What is the kind of institution that is going to that we're going to finance because we're financing those values? And the reason I say this is because oftentimes we make the investment in Jewish education based on the type of school that looks good and conforms with social norms. But if we got really honest with ourselves, 
it might not be what will provide what we value in our family and what we want for our children, but it might be what everybody else does and wants, right? So before we look at the schools, what I really want you to do is to look inside at yourself, at your family, what do you want? And by the way, you might not be able to answer this clearly on day one, and you might commit to us, you might even commit to a school and then realize that another school is more aligned with what you want. And that's okay. As long as this process has been happening, what I want you to get is to be honest with yourself and open to thinking about this critically, filtering this decision through the lens of your values with honesty. That is not just succumbing to making this investment well because everybody in my circle does it like I want you to do the inner work first okay now now that you've done that then I would look at the ticket price and I guarantee you that if you've done step two properly you will feel really great about paying that ticket price even if it necessitates some trade-offs and it's okay, like I said before, it's okay if soon after you realize, oh, no, 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 this is actually misaligned. I have to change. That's okay. Because again, you're going to realize it because you're going to be so clear on what you want. So again, the, the step of getting really, really clear on who you are, what you value, what, what is the education that's really going to advance in those values because a financial decision that has to be supported by particular values. Then when you look at the ticket price, you're going to actually feel like you're doing what you want to do. You're not going to feel in misalignment. You're not going to feel resistance. Yes, it might necessitate trade-offs, but you're going to be willing to make those trade-offs. I recently had a conversation with my husband about yet another conversation about remodeling the house. Seems to be a theme around here, okay? And yeah, mold remediation it's not my idea of remodeling, if you know what I mean. But it's a really nice step. And I'm super, super, super grateful because that we're doing this because we really needed to have this done a while ago. And as we're speaking, we were having this really honest and open conversation. And we, you know, again, I'm super grateful to him for bringing to my attention that we're paying this much, whatever the amount is, it is in Jewish education this year in, in schools that we actually love. We really, really do. And in a few months, we're going to start paying this much more in another new school for one of my children who's moving schools because they're going to a high school, right? And he's, we're having this conversation. We're like, we're so okay with that. We're so happy with that. It is amazing to me that we were able to do that. And I'm so happy that we're doing that. And I'm planning on continuing to do that. And as we're saying that, then, then the question became like, okay, so what do you say to the angst for the remodel, right? It was very easy for me to understand and get really back to my, back to my normal self, right? Not my hysteric self. Without, okay, I'm actually super okay with continuing to delay the home remodeling. Could both things happen? Absolutely. I have no doubt that they could both happen in tandem. God can manage to give us both if he thinks that's what we need. But at this very second, it looks like according to God, again, that could change in another second. But according to God, at this very second that I was having this conversation with my husband, it seems like according to God, all I needed was just the investment on the Jewish education and whatever else I'm able to currently invest in, right? Mold remediation being one of those things and not on our home remodel. 
So I could forgo all the money that I pay those institutions and enroll my children elsewhere and have a remodeled home. But there's no way I would personally do that. I'm very, very clear about that. So I can now go back to myself and say, oh, I don't really feel resentment. That's what I'm trying to say, right? We don't have to feel the angst, but in order not to feel the angst, we have to get really clear and clear that we're doing exactly what we say we want to do. We're doing exactly what we value and we have to get in touch with that. And sometimes like I just narrated to you, it takes, it takes going back to that conversation with self um, often, you know, I'm not suggesting that this is something that you do once and then you, you know, you're okay. I'm not suggesting that we're not human. We don't feel sometimes the pressure of wanting, you know, certain things, certain things that to happen all at once. And like I said before, they could happen, but we also have to understand that sometimes that's not what God wants for us. Now, Again, if your values are very clear, then you might also have trade-offs in the sense of other things that you spend on. And this is also a critical point. Perhaps we spend on things to, I don't know, to keep up with the gold scenes or for whatever reason that might be completely misaligned with your values, right? And now that you're so clear on what you really want for your life and for your family, then you are going to be probably really okay to give a lot of some things up that you realize don't jive, they just don't go, right? In order to make this wonderful investment in this education that you so highly value um, while not getting yourself into debt or while, you know, perhaps so that you don't have to sacrifice other financial goals. Like, I don't know, you know, I don't know what other thing, you know, so many financial goals we have. And like we said, Sometimes they bump against each other, right? So in other words, you are going to be able to do financially responsible things while at the same time taking a huge leap of faith on an investment that might not make traditional financial sense, but makes a lot of sense when you put it in the context of your relationship with God and fulfilling his commandments. In this case, that of educating your children. Finally, on that note, Please do not discount the fact that God is the one who has asked us to educate our children. And so talk to God. I think this is also a critical step that we often forget. Like we, we're in a relationship and we don't need to feel like we can control everything. There's, there's somebody who is, who we can lean on. Let's talk to God and let's ask for help guiding us and getting clear with what is the right education for our children. And also keeping our trust strong like we can ask we can pray for to, for our bitachon for our trust to be stronger um our trust that we're going to be able to pay for this and all the other things that we need for our family so talk to god let him know that you want to do the right thing that you want to serve him and that whatever money you need is to actually serve him all that stuff talk to God, have a conversation, and then trust that he can and he will make that happen. So I think you get that in a nutshell. Do something crazy for God while at the same time, I'm not saying don't be responsible. At the same time, be responsible with your numbers. Again, just because you know you have to as part of your service of God, right? And that might mean that you will spend differently. You will make different financial trade-offs. You might look for ways to earn more, all that good stuff. Go through all those motions, but make that which, but make that which is 
an essential value and part of your service of God front and center. Make it that it's a non-negotiable and then do whatever you need to do in the natural world to make it happen, trusting that God will somehow make it work. I hope that helps. I know it's not a traditional answer, but I just need us to understand that it's nuanced and it's complicated. And we as Jews don't just go by exactly what the numbers say. I'm not saying be irresponsible. I'm saying get really, really clear on what you want and why you want it. And then financing it is going to be so much easier, not just because in the natural sense, you will now be able to make the different choices and make them more responsibly, but also because you're tapping into a higher authority at the same time who is going to lift you up and help you achieve what you want because you've gotten so clear on it and it's so aligned with what God wants from you. All right. One last thing, actually, before I forget. Don't let other people's fears of investing in Jewish education cloud you. And at the same time, don't get sucked into whatever else everyone does, right? So talk to yourself, talk, talk to God and get clear on what you want and why you want it. All right, next question is from Anonymous. Anonymous says, Yael, this question comes up a lot with my community. And the question is, when we ask for financial abundance, doesn't it affect our next world experience? Meaning this notion of don't borrow from the reward. Okay, great question. And for listeners, just to clarify, she's referring to, kind of that understanding that perhaps wanting materiality um, is going to take on some way away merits or take away from the spiritual reward in the world to come. And my answer to, so, so me, meaning we really should be perhaps she, this, what, what people are suggesting to her is we should be pursuing spiritual um, rewards and, not, and and shy away from pursuing materiality, right? And we've discussed this on the show. And so saying maybe by pursuing materiality, we're really like, like affecting our next world. It's like, it's, it's, we're taking off. It's, 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 it's discounting points, let's say, right? So my answer to that is as, as follows. Um, listen, we're not here to accumulate brownie points for our next world experience. We really are not. We have to understand that that's not what we're here for. We're here to make a dira betachtonim. We're here to make a dwelling place for God in this world. It's a really nice benefit, and we will get that. It's a really nice benefit that we're, we do get rewarded spiritually 100%. But that's not the focus of our service. That's not why we're here. That's a great benefit. And I'm not saying, you know, ignore it, but that's not our focus. We are here to serve God. We're not here to serve ourselves by accumulating brownie points or building our Olam Haba. And like we've said before on the show, and I think if you go back to episode 207, Rabbi Sheistaub said it, explained this beautifully, that attitude of trying to accumulate, doing the most to accumulate brownie points or building my Olam Haba, my next world, is mm, maybe a drop less crass than accumulating materiality or pursuing materiality for the sake of materiality. You're, it's, in other words, it's just as me centered. And we are here to be emis as emissaries of God Almighty. So the focus is not on what we need, what do I need, but rather, what does he need? 
What does he want from me? Oh, he desires a home. He needs a dwelling place. He needs me to reveal godliness. Great. How do I use every inner and outer resource that he's given me access to, to achieve that which he so desires? That's the question we're constantly asking ourselves. Because remember, the mission, the goal is to perfect this world, is to bring Mashiach. And that happens here. It doesn't happen in the next world. So our focus is not our next world, our reward there. Our focus is the mission that God tasked us with. That happens here in the physical world, through our food, through our business, through our relationships, through our money, right? All those things are the things that are going to make that happen. Those are the resources that we need to make that happen in this world. God wants us to have all of those physical resources so that we can do what is really a physical job in the sense that it happens only here through materiality. So the question is, Am I ready to be his emissary and take on the mission of using all the material resources to make a dira betachtonim, a dwelling place for God? Or will I stay so me focused that I fear any relationship with materiality will compromise my service, my avoda? You see the difference? It's just a matter of perspective. Am I God-centered or am I me-centered? Can I really withstand the challenge of revealed and abundant good by staying solely focused on the mission? That's the question. So Anonymous, I hope that helps to provide a little bit of a shift or a lot in perspective, a shift in perspective to your community. Let me know how that goes, please. All right. So I am seeing here (laughs) what looks like six more questions and they are awesome. And I thought I could do a rapid fire on the previous questions, but these actually required a little bit more explaining than I anticipated. And I see that the six that we have in the mailbag will do as well. So let's call it a day because I I gave you already a lot, a lot to chew on, especially if you're new to the show. <laughs> um, and I will come back next week and answer those questions. But before I let you go, here's a question for you. And I want you to answer this question. Do you want me to answer your questions related to the recession? Do you want me to have an episode just dedicated to that? I would love to dedicate an episode just to the recession. So what I want you to do is please submit your questions ASAP. If you want me to dedicate an episode just to that, send in your questions. Okay, so send in your questions to my email, yael at yaeltrush.com. Or it actually might be much easier if you just DM me on Instagram. I'm there a lot at yaeltrush. Send in your questions related to the recession. Say, yes, Yael, I want you to answer this question. And we'll put together an entire episode just on the topic of the recession. Would that be helpful? I hope it is. Be in touch with me and let me know and then send me those questions. Be sure to be following me on Instagram, though, so that you don't get stuck in the land of message requests. You know what I'm talking about? And so that I actually see your question. All right. As I said, I'm out for the weekend with my two daughters and early next week also with them for a few days escapade. But I will come back to answer those remaining questions. Thanks again for sending those in. I will come back next week and answer those. And please remember, send me ASAP your questions on the recession so we can get you an episode just on that. Have a Shabbat Shalom. Shalom.